0: to the layman's channel. Um, On this channel you'll find uh, mostly Bible studies, but there's also a couple of playlists of songs, uh, some original songs, uh, which I and some friends have written over the last few years, and uh, also some song covers, which my wife and I sing both in English and in Tagalog, um, for your enjoyment and for your edification. Um, Without further ado, let's get on and start today's Bible study, Uh, but first let's have a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your word, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that, Lord, the entrance of your word brings light and understanding. And I pray for every single one who is watching and listening to this, that, Lord God, that you would touch their hearts and their spirits, Lord God, Lord, that you may light up the way before them as we study your word. The Lord God, that each one may receive a revelation from you, not just in their minds, Lord God, but a revelation in their spirit. Lord, we know that, uh, Lord, that you are have sent the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to uh, lead us, to guide us, to empower us, Lord, to live out um, your life in these last days. So Lord, I pray that you would do that, Lord God. Lord, that you would uh, breed in each one of us a love of your word. That, Lord God, that your word would become preeminent in our our lives. That Lord, that we may follow you with everything that we've got, with all our heart, mind, soul and spirit. And, Father, once again I bring myself before you and I ask, Lord God, that you would anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God as you've promised. And that, Lord, that you would flow through me and use me as a conduit. Lord, do these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, and for your glory, and your glory alone. Amen. Uh, we're continuing our studies into the book of Philippians chapter 3, um, so that we can discover some of the keys that will help us to stand firm in our faith, especially as we are firmly, I believe, in, in, ensconced in the, in the last days. Um Last time we looked at the uh, danger that religion poses and also religious leaders pose as we attempt to live our lives in the freedom that Christ purchased for us when he died upon the cross. Uh, We learned that if they are propagating Jesus plus something, then it's best to avoid them. We also looked at the struggle Paul had in keeping the Gentile churches on the right path. Um, because Jewish leaders were coming in and demanding that the Gentile believers be circumcised. For them, it was Jesus plus the law, and not faith alone in Jesus' fulfilment of the law, which was fulfilled when he was crucified and was raised from the dead some three days later. Um, This week, um, we're going to turn our attention upon verse 3 of Philippians 3, which says, For we... Are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. My 1984 New International Version says something a little bit different when it reads, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in In the flesh. You'll notice the subtle differences between the New King James Version and my 1984 NIV. The New King James says, Worship God in the Spirit, and the NIV says, We who worship God by the Spirit. The latest version of the NIV translates that part of the verse as, We who serve God by His Spirit. In order to understand the full context of this verse, then let's read together once again Philippians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship God by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. The first question I'd like to ask is this. What is worship? The dictionary definitions are as follows. Worship as a noun, which is describing the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration of God. And worship as a verb, which is to show reverence and adoration for God. The next question I'd like to ask is this. Does singing songs for half an hour on a Sunday before the message constitute worship? Or have we as Christians relegated worship to just the singing of songs? Another question we need to ponder upon is this. How do Christians worship God in a setting where if they are seen or heard to do so would result in them being imprisoned or put to death? I think that these are questions we need to ask ourselves as Christians in the western influenced world. Because we seem to be losing our freedoms and being plunged into one of the darkest periods in human history? Will, will we need to be creative and find new ways to worship our Saviour? Or should we apply Biblical principles and see some of the ways in which the ancients worshipped him? The songwriter Matt Redman so eloquently sums up this dilemma in the lyrics to his lovely song, Heart of Worship. And I'm just going to quote several lines from it now. He says this. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within than the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I believe that our intimate worship should be much deeper than just a song that we sing on a Sunday. I wonder how many of us have walked away from a Sunday service and said to ourselves, didn't get much out of the worship session today. Those songs that were chosen just didn't suit me. Couldn't get along with them, couldn't sing them very well. I wish the worship team would sing some of my favorite songs or some from my favorite genre each week. That singer was a bit off tune, wasn't he? Now, if we say things like that, then we need to be rebuked. And I know that I have said things like that before in the past. When I have been in meetings or I have listened to a service online. Shame upon me. We should not come before God with an attitude like that. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah when he said in Isaiah 29 and verse 13, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely upon human rules that they have been taught. I don't want to be labelled as one of those kinds of people who are just paying lip service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Where it's all about this and not about this. You see, worship isn't about us and the things that we want or the things that we can get out of it. It's not about putting on a show that has no substance or just giving lip service. It's about God and the offering of our lives and our bodies up as an act of worship and not just our voices. That lovely verse in Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The outward steps of using our bodies in worship may include physical expressions of our reverence, like these. We raise our hands. We bow our heads. We bend our knees. Sorry, I can't do that. I'm sitting on a chair. These physical demonstrations and expressions of worship should be the outward evidence of an inward reality. And not something just done out of a religious duty. Or because someone tells you to do it from the stage or the pulpit. But it must come out of a deep and heartfelt personal relationship with our Creator. You know, how often have we heard when we've been sitting in a congregation, the worship leader says, okay, let's all raise our hands. Or let's all bow our heads. You know what, I can understand what they mean. I can understand what they're trying to prove but if you're just responding to an order or a request from the person at the front and it's not out of what goes in and comes out of your heart then all it is when somebody says that and you do it that's just an act (laughs) if it doesn't come from within it doesn't count The writer of Hebrews references an event in Genesis 47 um, about Jacob where he writes, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. You can read that in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21. Now we all know the story of Jacob his scheming and conniving, yet God revealed himself to him and his response was, despite being of old age and in the process of dying, a physical demonstration of worship. He was expressing an inward reality in a physical way. I'm reminded of uh, an old lady called Mrs Higginbottom who was an elderly member of my congregation in Mablethorpe, who was admitted to hospital in the latter stages of her battle with cancer. The two friends who were with her when she passed told me that at the very moment of her death, her head lifted up from the pillow, quickly followed by her arms. She smiled and was gone. Her very last physical act in this life was an act of worship. Here are some other scriptural examples of the physicality of worship. In Psalm 95, verses 67, 6 to 7, we read, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. The psalmist here is describing worship again as an outward show of an inward reality. When Job was informed that his children had been killed after their house collapsed on their their heads he responded in this way in Job 1.20 At this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Despite all of the hardships and hassles that Job had gone through in the previous days culminating in the death of his family Yet still within him, he found that need to physically express his worship of God. He was expressing the inward reality by an outward act. When I was on an evangelical mission in the town of Chesterfield in the UK in 1992, I was asked to attend a service in the nearby city of Derby. In the middle of the service, I could hear the church telephone ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. ringing. Then somebody answered it. Came to the evangelist that I was with at the time and called him over. And then he came to me to ask for a quiet word with me in the church office. He told me that my father had had a massive heart attack and he was rushed into Bournemouth hospital for treatment. Obviously, I rang my mother to find out the latest news. And was told that he'd survived and that comforted me and that he was recovering on the ward in the hospital. Now, the human thing to do was to forget about the service and hide away to contemplate the fate of my dad. But God remained on the throne and is still on the throne. And instead of staying in the office to mope and have a self-pity party, I decided to go back into the sanctuary, raise my hands in worship, to honour the one who had the power to keep my dad alive. I didn't do it for show. I worshipped because God was worthy of it. Despite the emotional pain and the mental turmoil of the bad news I just received, God was still God and there was an inward reality in my heart that must express itself. In worship now having said all that don't get me wrong don't misinterpret my words I am NOT saying that music does not pay, play an important part in our worship of course it does Psalm 100 verse 2 says worship the Lord with gladness come before him with joyful songs As a worship leader myself, it would be foolish and unscriptural to say that music plays no part at all. When you think about it, music is just a key that unlocks the human heart to respond to God with worship. However, it must not become the be-all and end-all of our worship. In the Chronicle of King Hezekiah, it's recorded that at the rededication of the temple during the first month of his reign in 716 BC, the musicians played and the people worshipped. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verses 27 to 30, we read this. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offering on the altar. As the offering began, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets and the instruments of David, the King of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship while the musicians played and the trumpet sounded. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was completed. When the offerings were finished, The king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. Here we see the combination of how music aids us to worship the living God. In verse 28 we read that the people bowed in worship as the musicians played. Their hearts were touched and once again you can witness that their worship of God was an outward expression of an inward reality. If you get nothing else out of this message that you are listening to wherever you are and whenever you are listening to it then remember this phrase worship is an outward expression of an inward reality worship is an outward expression of an inward reality say that to yourself now worship is is an outward expression of an inward reality. As Christians, we must not get ourselves caught up in arguments with each other over the style of worship each separate congregation engages in. When I was a young Christian in the mid-80s, The style of worship my fellowship engaged in was frowned upon by those who preferred a more traditional approach. And some of the people who preferred a freer style of worship were dismissive of the traditional approach and thought it was too old-fashioned for the modern church. You know, since those days, I've come to the conclusion that there is only one sure way an absolute way that God approves of whether you prefer traditional or modern or a combination of of both Paul tells us what it is in the verse that we're studying today Philippians 3 3 when he says it is we who worship by or in the spirit of God it is we who worship by or in the spirit of God. The Lord Jesus himself told the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4 chapter verses 23 to 24 that a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. My friends, there is no other acceptable way to worship. It has nothing to do with music and song, or even expressions of our physicality. It's about worshipping God the Father in the spirit and in truth. And I hope that you find the combinations of singing and physicality to find that you are worshipping in the spirit and in truth. What is inside us is truth. Let's express it as we worship God in spirit. And in truth. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, worship God in and by the Spirit of God, for that is how you stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. See you next time. God bless you all.